Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. In episode 125, we discuss our thoughts about the final day of coverage of the Bundesliga season, who's leaving B in sports for new job opportunities, which club has a new behind-the-scenes documentary that's heading to Amazon Prime, which TV network La Liga and the Bundesliga needs to move to next year, plus letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayer. Now, Kartik, we're entering a new phase of the soccer season. Most of the European leagues are over. Uh, some of the European Cup competitions, like the finals, are uh, being prepared for this weekend. Uh, Copa del Rey, the uh, DFL Pokal uh, Cup, and, uh, and of course the Champions League final before you know it, as well as Europa League final. So in this new phase, it's going to be kind of a transition, I think, for the viewers, too, and the listeners in terms of watching different types of soccer and um, maybe different types of soccer that they're not accustomed to watching as much. Of course, you've got the Women's World Cup coming up. You've got Copa America. You've got the Gold Cup. You've got the uh, African Cup of Nations, as well as the FIFA U20 uh, tournament in the World Cup. So plenty of things to choose from. But... As one example, Kartik, I looked at the schedule just a few minutes ago before we went on air for Major League Soccer. I thought, okay, this is going to be a perfect time now to, for Major League Soccer to ramp up its coverage for those viewers that are tuning in weekends, religiously watching soccer. Here's an opportunity for them to go ahead and, and watch a bunch of games. So this weekend, ESPN uh, and ESPN2 have zero games from Major League Soccer. Uh, they do have the, the next game that they will show is, I think, June 1st. Now, and then on the Fox side, on the English language side, FS1 has one game on Sunday night, and then they have no game the following weekend. So it's almost, almost as if you know, Major League Soccer kind of slows down. And as far as the scheduling, it, to me, it doesn't make any sense at all. Here's a perfect opportunity to go ahead. That transition period is, is you know, have a double header, have, have some uh, different games going on. Now, on the Spanish language side, uh, they have, I think, two games on Friday night, one on Saturday. So the Spanish language side gets it. The English language side doesn't. And any idea why this is the way it is, Kartik, in terms of the scheduling? Uh, I have no idea. There must be something going on in American sports that um, I'm unaware of, I guess. NBA, maybe. NHL is on NBC, so it couldn't be that. Uh, I'm not sure. 
honestly. Yeah, there's definitely the NBA playoffs, but uh, I still would think that that wouldn't be a major factor in this. I, I would think that, I don't know, that's always puzzled me. Uh, sometimes, you mean, you would think the logic for Major League Soccer, the logic is there to go ahead and make smart decisions, but sometimes in terms of scheduling, it seems really strange, just really off, and, and it's really a missed op- opportunity. Now, speaking of missed opportunities uh, from this past week, there were some teams in the EFL, I mean, the League One, League Two, Championship, missed opportunities to, to progress to the, the playoff final uh, for a chance to get promoted to, to the next tier. Uh, out of all of the games you saw, Kartik, in terms of uh, these playoff matches, uh, any that stood out for you? Yeah, I think the second leg of um, Charlton Doncaster, uh, which was at the Valley, was... Um uh, was was really really good. Um, I you know I, I, I got the sense that um, uh, that y- 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 we saw um, Charlton very confident. They, they, they finished the year really really well. Um, it, it, the regular season, Kenny Jackett had made a decision to rotate his uh, his squad on the final match day, um, therefore opening the door for Charlton to take third. Pompey falls to fourth. They lose to Sunderland. They get eliminated by Sunderland. A lot of second guessing of Kenny Jackett, who's done a brilliant job this season, uh, as he normally does. Most places he, he's the manager. Um, uh, because of that. So Charlton then uh, takes care of business first leg against Doncaster. You're thinking, okay, this is straightforward. You, you wanted to draw Doncaster rather than draw um, uh, Sunderland. And then the second leg, all, all heck broke loose. So I thought that was very good. And then I, the other match that was to me quite um, quite good. Um, and, and, and so Doncaster won the second leg, just for those who don't know, went all the way to penalties. Um, and had away goals applied as they once did in the playoffs, uh, Doncaster would have advanced um, because they had three away goals. The first leg had been 2-1 for Charlton. Um, the, the other uh, one was obviously the two legs of West Brom, Aston Villa, but both were marred by sending offs for, for West Brom, Brom players and Hal Robson County were being suspended. So um, West Brom not at full strength. Now they're in a position where they will have to break up that team. Uh, because they kept a, a, a prem-heavy team, a, a high high wage team for the championship together this season. Yeah, and and those uh, playoff finals will be all of them are going to be on ESPN Plus. So you've got every, games on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Monday's the big one, of course, Aston Villa against Derby County, uh, and uh, you've got uh, the other matches too. So so if you're interested in uh, playoff finals at Wembley, which usually are just just back and forth, end-to-end action, open-ended matches, really fantastic atmospheres. Uh, definitely check those out on ESPN Plus this weekend. Uh, the Bundesliga, so well, actually, let me, let, me, let me step back a second. So this past weekend, it was another crazy youth soccer weekend for me. Uh, went up to the Orlando area for a tournament. Uh, this weekend coming up too, I've got another tournament for another one of my kids uh, up at Disney. So it's going to be an, another weekend of just uh, running around from, from game to game and uh, you mean basically playing uh, chauffeur, uh, taking my kids to these games and stuff. But so I, I missed the FA Cup final, and uh, I was talking to some of the parents. I was kind of watching the score at, on the sidelines, you know, and talking to some of the parents. And it was like I think two nil, three nil, four nil. And I'm like, oh, it, to me, this wasn't even worth watching. Um, I, had, I, I had no uh, intention of going back to watch this game just because it was such a blowout. Did, was it that way, Kartik? Was it was it one of those games where it was so one sided, or was it was it more to this game than, than uh, the scoreline uh, shows? So first off, I was on a 
team bus with Miami FC going to the Orlando area as well. So um, I was watching it on uh, on an iPad and, and had watched the Bundesliga. I will get into the Bundesliga in a minute because uh, uh, another uh, talking point from from my uh, streaming Bundesliga experience in a minute. Um, but um, yeah, so there was um, um, a uh, I guess I would say like a ten or fifteen minute period maybe from minute 15 to minute 30 or maybe 10 minute 10 to minute 25 where it seemed like Watford was very much in the match their fans were alive I mean this was a Wembley day for them obviously Watford is one of the closest probably the closest top flight club to Wembley and one of the closest clubs period to, to Wembley so uh, they were in full voice it was a you know short short trip for them it's like a trip down the street literally for for one of us in the US um, so uh, that was uh, that was Entertaining. Then City got the first goal, and it was just lights out. And it was it was not worth watching after that. Although there was some very good um, interplay, I thought one of the the more significant things that happened. Oh, I should also say, right after halftime, Watford came out and played. Looked pretty good. Looked like it, uh, they were attacking. They were leaving gaps at the back for counterattacks, but they were. Um, in the match, at least from a um, from a playing standpoint, down two nil, and Guardiola makes the change, brings De Bruyne on, and that kind of uh, shuts shuts the door again. Um, broadcast note on this again: um, Stuart Robson is, is paired with Martin Tyler, and uh, Tyler now has has leaned on Robson on VAR a lot because, as he said during the broadcast, you cover leagues in Europe that have now had uh, VAR for, for a year or more. Uh, in the case of the Bundesliga, but Robson does, has done a fair amount of Bundesliga matches. Um, I, I bring it up every time, Chris, but I, I think it's such a miss that the Premier League, for whatever reason, Premier League Productions, who we'll have some news about shortly, um, have cut Stuart Robson out of their, their broadcast plans because there is there is a, and I know this is controversial, he's very, very polarizing, as we know, and as uh, um, <laughs> even talking with some of the people at ESPN, they've told us that when he's on ESPN FC, it's polarizing. Um, we've talked to, to executives all over the business about this, but there, there were little nuggets of insight and information and historical uh data or historical anecdotes that he gives that a lot of other guys don't. So yep. um, I, that, that, that's why I was able, the rest of the bus trip, again, we're going to Orlando. I'm with, with a team, uh, which includes you know, a couple of, you know, Paul Daglish is our manager, Teddy Daglish's son, uh, who's played in the Premier League uh, and who's played in, 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 in uh, uh, the, 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 the lower divisions of English football. Lloyd Sam's on the bus with me. He's played in the Premier League. He's played in uh, lower divisions of English football. So there, there's some genu- genuine curiosity on, on the bus about this. This match. Uh, Robson kept it interesting for me, if I'm going to be quite honest. I, w- I wonder, though, with Stuart Robson, whether he's actually, whether he's really happy with doing what he's doing, because may- maybe he's, he thinks, uh, in terms of not doing the Premier League, that he has a specialty, which he, which he does, in terms of the ling- English language uh, a- analysis of Serie A and the Bundesliga, especially both those, both those two leagues. And he adds something to broadcast when he does you know, FA Cup final uh, or other other big games, you mean you know, World Cups or whatever it may be, uh, where perhaps he's more he's definitely more more knowledgeable about I uh, mean those leagues, those players, and it's kind of a specialization really for Stuart Robson. Now for the Premier League and the reasons that he's not doing the Premier League games, maybe it's by choice. Maybe he's been offered them and he's not interested. Uh, we we know that he is a polarizing figure. We don't know the details of why he isn't doing uh, Premier League matches, but but maybe it's a, it's a conscious decision. Maybe it's a choice that he's made. 
Yeah, it's possible. He actually, believe it or not, does a fair amount of Major League Soccer. And um, when he's come over to the States to do ESPN FC, um, displays a knowledge of Major League Soccer that I think even blows away uh, the American, his American counterparts or Americanized counterparts on the set. So yep. he's following football from all over. And, and as I said, um, he must call I, – I, I know he does call a few MLS games a year uh, uh, for the audience in the UK and the, and the international audience. But um, he has a knowledge of the league beyond just calling a few matches. So, uh, so basically, while I was away in Orlando at the soccer games, I came back from the from the the game to the hotel for I think about an hour, and I was able to tune in on Saturday morning to watch uh, some of the, the Bayern Munich against Frankfurt game uh, from uh, on on Big Fox, and I was watching this through Fubo uh, in my hotel, and uh, I was impressed. I from what I saw, the the little that I saw, Keith Cost is going to enjoy, of course, on the commentary. Excellent work by both of them, who I believe both of them are at the top of their game. Really good stuff. And um, when Fox wants to, to up their game on the, the Bundesliga studio coverage, uh, they do well. I mean, from what I saw in terms of the studio set, uh, everyone seemed to be knowledgeable, excited. Uh, it was a good look. Now, whether or not – and I guess we've we talked about this endlessly, but the – the challenge has always been is that consistency. You might have a great studio presence one week, the next no one. There's no studio presence at all, and all, and all the games are on FS2. But from what I saw, it was good stuff. Um, what was your take on it, Kartik? Yeah. So again, I'm on I'm on a bus, and I tried stream the game, and um, the I was more focused on Mönchengladbach and and, and Dortmund, obviously uh, Dortmund. Got the results, so then Bayern, uh, Eintracht became important, and, and obviously Bayern put them to the sword. But um, what I had happen, and I'm, I'm not sure if anyone from Fox is listening or can give technical assistance on this, I wasn't able to stream um, the match on um, my device because it said I needed to be on Wi-Fi. Uh, there was no there was no Wi-Fi on the bus. Now uh, we have a Wi-Fi hotspot that we set up um, the media team with with Miami FC. Once I got on that, I was able to stream the matches. So I don't know if it was the, the amount of bandwidth available on my phone in the areas I was at, which was you know leaving Miami, going through Fort Lauderdale, going to Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. By that time, uh, by the time we got north of Palm Beach, when uh, this league was done, so it, it was basically in a metropolitan area, uh, or if it was. Um, that's the way it is. You have to be on Wi-Fi to stream Fox Sports uh, Go. In any event, I was able to do it and watch it. I thought their coverage was outstanding. Unfortunately, uh, from my standpoint, I want to see uh, someone else win the league other than Bayern. But uh, what, what we've seen this week that's really interesting is uh, Borussia Dortmund make, uh, uh, finishing second lightly. I mean, they've gone out and made two massive signings right away mm-hmm. um, in Julian Brandt, who I think – um, again, I, I'm going to get a lot of applause for this, but it's not a shot of Christian Pulisic, who ended the season very well and played very well on Saturday again. But I think it's an upgrade over Pulisic. It's going to be a little more consistent, is a little more versatile. And then also uh, Thorgan Hazard, who, who I think is you know kind of a similar player to Pulisic. Uh, maybe not quite as good, but but, but still pretty good. Uh, Eden Hazard's brother. So um, those are those are two players that, that look 
to be coming into Borussia Dortmund that are going to make this title race next year uh, with Ribery and Robin leaving, which that was a big uh, story, right? Storyline of, of that uh, Bundesliga coverage on Fox. Right. Uh, make the league potentially uh, more competitive next year. We'll see who Bayern signs. Uh, Hudson Adoy was in their plans. Obviously, that's that's done now uh, with with his ACL tear. So we'll see um, yeah. what they do. Yeah, the, the, the timing was, was, was ideal for Bund- the Bundesliga because uh, they go into this next season uh, in their last year of the contract with Fox Sports, uh, most, of it, most of which is globally. And it's an opportunity for, for viewers and, and I think for broadcasters too. It gives us hope that, that perhaps there is a team that might topple uh, Bayern Munich off, off the perch in terms of in the uh, kind of really a monopoly in the Bundesliga uh, there's an opportunity that maybe maybe it's Dortmund, maybe it's another team, maybe it's RB, RB Leipzig, or maybe it's somebody else that go that can go ahead and and knock uh, Bayern Munich down. Um, so, timing wise, in terms of the television coverage and uh, negotiations for contracts, you mean for television and, and streaming, uh, it makes the Bundesliga slightly more appealing. Now, whether or not Bayern Munich will win it next season, it's very likely. But uh, it does give us a little bit of hope that in previous seasons we haven't had to come down to the very final day, which was uh, exciting stuff. And, and I thought, again, Keith Costigan and, and Ian Joy did a great job in the commentary, kind of really building up the excitement. And um, I, at the end of the game, it just seemed to be a very one-sided game at the end. But uh, at times, it looked like Frankfurt uh, could cause an upset there. The yeah, um, although Frankfurt uh, completely ran out of gas this season, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you Europa, Europa League, League they yeah. lost like the last five games. Yeah. So, so one more game I, I saw from this past weekend was uh, U.S. women's national team against New Zealand. Uh, Ian Dark and Julie Foudy. It's, it's always a joy to, to listen to the commentary because it, it just seems to be more of a conversation. Just the two of them just talking back and forth. Uh, both of them are experts in the game. Uh, both of them are very knowledgeable. Both, both of them are very listenable. Um, the only thing, I mean, the opponents, you mean New Zealand, uh, I, I didn't think it was that, that strong, but uh, good to see the U.S. women's national team doing well there uh, and then going into uh, the send-off series, going into the Women's World Cup around the corner. But uh, I enjoyed that one. Anything else you'd like to add, Kartik, before we move on? Yeah, I've, I've tried watching a little bit of the Dutch Eredivisie um, uh, playoffs, and, and uh, they've been fairly entertaining when I've watched them on ESPN+. Plus. Um, unfortunately, ended up being busier this week than, than uh, most weeks during the day, so I haven't really watched them very closely. But I, I've been impressed by the technical skill and the organization of the teams we've seen in, 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 in those playoffs, uh, which... Again, we know the Dutch league is on its way back up, right? And, and uh, Ajax, uh, uh, it's a deep run in, in Champions League, uh, uh, I don't think was a fluke. And we're seeing uh, the, the development of young Dutch footballers again and, and populating the best teams in Europe. So uh, that's a league to keep an eye on in ESPN Plus. Again, create, you know, as we talked about last week, developing a, a portfolio that's reaching critical mass of, of soccer coverage, at least European soccer coverage. What what I like about the Dutch league, the Eredivisie, is uh, are the stadiums and the atmosphere. So I mean everything from uh, De Kuyp, the the Feyenoord sta- stadium, uh, to others which are pretty small and intimate, almost looks like a uh, a second division or third division uh, English ground, uh, and of course the passion, the fans, the songs. Um, it, it's to me, it's an enjoyable league. It, for me. Personally, it's difficult to watch as much Dutch football as I'd like just because there's so many other leagues to watch too. But from time to time, it's definitely uh, a nice pleasure there to watch that one. 
So let's move on to TV streaming news and uh, a story that uh, we had an exclusive on this week, and it's a big one. Yeah, Kev Egan and Terry Lee are both leaving uh, BN Sports. Uh, Kev Egan, uh, I understand, uh, and as you've reported, will be uh, obviously continuing as Atlanta United's announcer and, and, and be working uh, for Atlanta United. It is um, interesting timing. It is the end of the European season, the end of La Liga, which ended this past week. Uh, and um, a sign that things not all as well at uh, BN Sports. And I, I would watch this space because I know, uh, Chris, you and I have heard rumblings that there might be more, uh, uh, yeah. more departures. And, and uh, uh, unfortunately, BN, the, the combination of the carriage dispute with, uh, with Comcast and with AT&T and, um, and just the, the escalating cost of rights and retaining rights to certain leagues. We saw this with Serie A uh, and with the English champion or the, or the football league uh, leaving the network in the last two summers. That There's just uh, – things don't seem good over there. Yeah, the, the, the hope is is that BN Sports will, will bounce back. The hope is that they will find a way to renew the rights with uh, DirecTV, who positions themselves as the – the leader of soccer coverage, which they used to be many years ago. These days, not so much because uh, uh, in addition to being sports, there's some other channels that they're missing on the soccer side of things. So this DirecTV is very much a different DirecTV. This, this really is AT&T. Um, and as a result of that, uh, being sports is not on DirecTV or AT&T uh, U-verse, um, et cetera, et cetera. And also then you got the Comcast. So... It's unfortunate. I mean, hopefully things will turn around. But yeah, with Kevin Egan and Terry Lee, uh, two of their best presenters uh, of, of sports, whether it's soccer or, or world sports. And uh, from what I understand, which the article is on worldsoccertalk.com on the homepage, it goes into more detail. But uh, there's definitely some issues behind the scenes that be in sports, uh, which uh, I think prompted uh, these two to leave. And as you said, Kartik, um, there's a possibility of more leaving in the near future, too. So the, the second story we had this week um, in terms of the TV streaming news, and this is another exclusive to worldsoccertalk.com, is that Univision um, hasn't officially announced their Gold Cup TV schedule yet, but at worldsoccertalk.com we have the schedule. And uh, interestingly, for this Gold Cup, so, so Univision, of course, lost the rights to the World Cup, um, so they wouldn't have coverage to the Women's World Cup uh, this summer. Uh, they've also they don't also don't have the rights to uh, Copa America. So what we have is Univision announcing 16 games on over the air Univision on on their free to air over the air t- channel. 16 games of the of the Gold Cup, and then all of the others will either be on Unamas or uh, Univision Deportes ne- Network. So it's a big statement of intent here from Univision in terms of uh, the Gold Cup coverage. Uh, if you compare that to Fox Sports, obviously Fox Sports has a lot going on with the Women's World Cup at the same time, and um, Fox's coverage, a lot of the games are on FS2, uh, I think some are on, on FS1, I think some even on Fox Soccer Plus. So Univision coming out with a strong statement in terms of the schedule, and we have the, the, we have the Gold Cup schedule on the website, as well as we have a combined one. So we've combined the Gold Cup uh, Copa America and Women's World Cup all into one schedule so you can see uh, when the games are on each day uh, at the height of the of the tournaments because all three of them overlap in, in different ways. At the height of the tournament, there is there are as many as six to seven games a day. So basically from kind of mid-morning Eastern time all the way up through till midnight 
uh, one after another. And of course, in this in these tournaments, all three of them have the finals on the same day, which is crazy, 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 crazy. But but we, we've got them there at uh, worldsoccertalk.com. Now, Kartik, um, some news about the Premier League. Yeah, the Premier League has come to a new agreement with IMT that will see the two organizations continue to work together to operate Premier League productions for the next three seasons, uh, which spans the new television contract, by the way. Uh, and uh, every time they do this, Chris, they have some new graphics. So I'm looking forward to yeah. that at the beginning. Of the next year. Every time they go in one of these three-year cycles with, with Premier League productions. Uh, PLP uh, produces and distributes uh, all of the Premier League's international programming, including all 380 Premier League matches in a season. In addition, there are seven magazine shows each week, as well as the Premier League content service, which is run by some of the league's broadcast partners as a full uh, 24-7 channel. Uh, And you get a lot of that content, by the way, on NBC Sports Gold. I'm not trying to plug NBC Sports Gold, but that's one advantage of buying that service that a lot of people don't talk about, uh, is that you get a a number of those programs. Not all of them, though, but but a number of them. Um, The service offers international broadcast partners a combination of studio-based output, including high-quality pre- and post-match content, regular news shows, additional magazine programming, international phone-ins, and matches from the Premier League's extensive historical archive. A new agreement will also see 76 matches per season in 4K uh, UHD, which is really cool. Yeah, and that's probably the biggest uh, news uh, out of that announcement is the 76 games uh, per season in 4K uh, Ultra HD. So that that's, I mean, for those of us who have 4K televisions, uh, that is fantastic news. And anything in terms of the, the production, the coverage from IMG uh, as it beams all these Premier League games around the world and then NBC will pick up that feed and then we'll add on, I mean, their commentary feed with Arlo uh, or add their graphics, their, their advertising at the top. Uh, it's always quality, very high-level quality, uh, one of the best in the world, uh, probably on arrival with uh, the Bundesliga in terms of their coverage. Uh, so that's good news that that, that uh, relationship continues. Now, the next news item is something we've talked about a bunch of times on this podcast, and uh, it's been a while since we've discussed it because it hasn't been announced officially yet. But back March 20th, which seems so long ago, we broke a story on WorldSoccerTalk.com that mentioned uh, about how ESPN Plus had acquired the English language and Portuguese language rights to Copa America. So here we are recording this podcast, what, uh, May 22nd, a couple months after we posted the story, and yet ESPN has still uh, yet to officially announce uh, that they're going to have these games. So according to my sources, uh, we're 100% uh, convinced and, and sure that this will happen. And I believe it's just a matter of timing in terms of when ESPN, uh, timing-wise, is ready to announce this. Probably a lot of this will be uh, Conmebol, where Conmebol wants to sync up uh, kind of some announcements and ha- have a strategy of when both Conmebol and uh, ESPN can announce this at the same time. So it looks like uh, ESPN is sitting on the news, waiting for it to officially happen. But because you, the listener, and you, the reader, for worldsoccertalk.com, uh, you've got uh, a heads up to know that ESPN Plus is going to have this in addition to all the other rights that they already have. Going back to the Premier League, Kartik, uh, some more big news for them. Yeah, so um, they have a valuation uh, up that's up 8%, 9.8%. 
1.2 billion pounds on overseas income, a rise of uh, over a third in the international broadcast fees for the Premier League drove an 8% increase in the property's total rights value for this next broadcast package from 2019 to 2022 uh, to $11.7 billion uh, compared with the previous cycle. Uh, it, it should be noted that that the broadcast uh, fees, the rights fees have become stagnant in the domestic market, but in the international market, they continue to grow pretty rapidly. So that's part of the reason you see more emphasis from the Premier League on the international market. Uh, they've always been a very international league, right? Perhaps the most international league of them all. But um, the um, the growth now is almost entirely outside uh, the United Kingdom. And the last piece of news is that Borussia Dortmund has announced a four-part documentary series that will be launched in over 200 countries on August the 9th, exclusively on Amazon Prime Video. The film, as yet entitled, will feature behind-the-scenes footage from the 2018-2019 season, all the way to the very end, where they almost won the, the Bundesliga title. So something to keep an eye out for if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber. Moving on to TV ratings, we don't have a bunch this week just because uh, there weren't as many games on television. Uh, but the two that stood out were uh, Bayern Munich against Frankfurt, uh, the big game on Big Fox on Saturday to decide the Bundesliga title. Uh, 413,000 viewers for this one, which is uh, a pretty decent number. It's actually it's greater than the, the Major League Soccer game that was on the week prior uh, on Big Fox. So um, big ups there to the Bundesliga. I'm sure they'll be happy with that. And then the second game was uh, New York Red Bulls against Atlanta on FS1. This was on this past Sunday uh, on FS1 from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, 147,000 viewers for that one. Now, Karthik, I've been thinking a little bit in terms of the next uh, MLS TV deal. Of course, um, the rights are going to be coming up soon. Uh, from what I understand, uh, discussions have already started, at least uh, preliminary discussions, talking about uh, the next rights deal. And uh, I think in previous podcasts, I was pretty much down on, on Major League Soccer in terms of uh, the, the opportunity for them to in- increase the, the rights fees for this. But the more I think about it, the more I analyze this, I think it, in many ways, um, because of the 2026 World Cup and because of the potential for the U.S. men's national team, as well as the potential success of uh, continued success of the U.S. women's national team, especially this summer, that as long as the, the rights deals for U.S. soccer, both the men's and women's, are coupled and combined with Major League Soccer, the, the actual value of these ratings will, should go up because you're going to have, uh, hopefully, the U.S. men's national team hopefully qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. And then hopefully from then on, it's going to be a snowball effect where they're going to keep on building the excitement and hoping that um, U.S. men's national team will ride that wave at the same time, if the U.S. women's national team, if they do win this World Cup uh, this summer and continue to build their audience and, and uh, generate more revenue for U.S. Soccer Federation, that uh, both the U.S. women's national team and the U.S. men's national team could ride this wave into the 2026 World Cup. And the MLS can really just, just kind of ride along behind them, um, taking a lot of, uh, of the, the value, uh, increased value expectations for this deal. Now, if those deals are cut apart and done separately and say, you mean, um, the sports broadcasters or Major League Soccer says, okay, we're going to go ahead and sell the MLS TV rights as a separate package to uh, the U.S. women's team and U.S. men's team, which I think is extremely unlikely. In many ways, uh, Major League Soccer and U.S. Soccer 
through their partnership with some uh, joined at the hip. But if those deals were separate, it would be a completely different story. And there'd be a lot of questions asked about um, kind of the value of, of Major League Soccer in terms of the, the amount of money that, that they're paying and the return in the, um, the actual TV ratings and, and really, for the most part, disappointing uh, returns, especially on the English language side. What's your take on this, Kartik? Do you, do, you, do you agree? We haven't had a t- chance to talk about this. Uh, do you see any pitfalls here? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I agree with you. I think the rights will go up this uh, cycle. I have a fundamental uh, moral objection to the to the rights being coupled together, and I, I think it's something I've articulated. Those of you who follow me on Twitter or follow my writing realize uh, where I stood on this issue for many years, which is that I, I believe that the uh, no big contract that's uh, Soccer United Marketing, which is a marketing arm of Major League Soccer, uh, gets from U.S. Soccer to sell the rights to um, to the U.S. Soccer Federations, uh, to their inventory of, uh, of of rights, men's and women's national team, and, and other inventory, uh, now including the U.S. Open Cup, apparently, uh, it constitutes a subsidy from uh, U.S. soccer to uh, Major League Soccer, a subsidy that they're not giving to, to other professional leagues, that they're not giving to adult amateur leagues, that they're not giving um, to people in the youth soccer space and other stakeholders. So um, I have a fundamental moral objection to it. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's done in a way that it's not done in the rest of the world. Um, where you couple those rights together and you don't include USL, you don't include uh, NPSL or UPSL or any other league. NISA is now a sanctioned league that, that intends to begin play this season, um, this year. Uh, you, you don't include any of those rights in, in, in the bundle. So um, I think that's a, that's a fundamental problem. But yeah, I see the rights going up because the 2026 World Cup is going to be used as a trigger and as a propaganda piece by U.S. Soccer and Soccer United Marketing to say this sport's going to explode uh, in a way uh, it, it never has before. And look at the growth that came after the 94 World Cup. Look at the growth that came after the 99 Women's World Cup, which was held in the United States. Now, we were at a much lower base when the 94 and 99 events took place mm-hmm. uh, than we are now. So I, I've questioned the logic behind uh, saying this. However, um, and there are, there are far more soccer fans now who have been exposed to soccer around the globe, whereas in, you know, let's take right after the Women's World Cup in 1999, uh, we were in our infancy uh, in, in actually seeing uh, the effect of the internet. The internet wasn't around in 94, and in 99 we were in, in infancy in seeing the effect of the internet even as a tool to just kind of read match reports uh, from England or Germany like or, or Australia or wherever. Yeah, right, AOL, etc. And I, uh, I mean, I used to read um, SoccerNet in those days, which is now ESPN FC. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. Which, which uh, gave us, um, you know, very kind of basic. It was a partnership between the Daily Mail and CBS Sportsline, I think, at the time. Um, gave us some very basic information. Now we're so much further along, Chris. I don't think it has quite the impact broadcasters and people in the game are hoping it will have. I don't think it will have that. However, that's. That will be discovered in 2026. This round of negotiations, this contract expires in 2022. I expect that that fee to go go up pretty substantially because of the promise of 2026. Imagine the discussions at, say, uh, say ESPN. Say uh, Major League Soccer comes to visit them, or uh, it's probably the other way around. ESPN goes to visit Major League Soccer, and uh, they have a conversation about uh, the next rights deal. And this is all hypothetical, of course. So imagine if uh, Major League Soccer says, okay, guys, 
ESPN, are you interested in uh, showing some of these U.S. men's national team games in the run-up to the the World Cup? So from, you mean, a- after the uh, cutter, you mean, you got uh, 2023, 2024, 2025, going into that World Cup where the excitement levels, the, the hype, really is going to be a lot of hype, going into that 2026 World Cup is going to be through the roof. Um, even, even where we are today, that's going to go up considerably, definitely. Everyone's going to be talking about it. What's this World Cup thing? You mean, it's coming at, at us. And Major League, Major League Soccer says, okay, so if you want these games, these U.S. men's national team send-off series and friendlies and, and all these games, these big games coming up, uh, you have to sign the deal with Major League Soccer. So the only way to get the access to those U.S. men's national team games is you also need to, to acquire the rights to these Major League Soccer games. It's all one package. Here's all the great things that we're going to be offering you as far as you mean, all, you mean, all the bells and whistles, and this is how great it's going to be. So in many ways, if you're ESPN or, or you're Fox or you're Univision, I see all three of those partners continuing the relationship that they have with U.S. soccer and with Major League Soccer because that whole package is combined into one. And, and of course, I'm sure there'll be some sweeteners in terms of the, uh, the, the local TV rights and, and other things to add more value just to uh, make sure that these broadcasters are, are as pleased as happy 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 as can be and uh, also to elevate that that number that uh, that rights fee number and when it happens uh, I mean it's going to be major headlines I can see it now uh, Major League Soccer announces major TV deal that uh, increases the rights deal from the last round the current one that we have to the new one by I don't know 10%, 15%, 20%, whatever it may be, when we all know it's based on U.S. soccer. It's based on the, the hope, the dreams that this U.S. soccer team, especially playing at home in the 2026 World Cup, uh, can go you know, go all the way or go, go pretty far in this tournament. Um, that's my take on it. So, so don't be surprised if this Major League Soccer deal, TV deal, is a big one, but not because of Major League Soccer. Now, Kartik, let's move on to just... Uh, this might be a short topic, or this might be a really kind of uh, lengthy one. We don't know yet because we haven't had a discussion. We'll have it live here on air, which is which broadcaster should La Liga and the Bundesliga move to in the 2020-2021 season onwards? So both La Liga and the Bundesliga are going into their last year of their rights with their current broadcasters. So the Bundesliga for the 2019-2020 season with Fox, that's the last one under the current deal. La Liga going into the last deal of the, the same time frame with being sports. So it gives both leagues the same opportunity, but also presents them the same dilemma. Finding a broadcast partner that has a wide distribution on both the English and Spanish language side of television as well as access to over-the-air television for those big games on Big Fox or I mean, Big uh, Big NBC, whatever it may be, as well as a solid over-the-top uh, streaming offering. So having those lesser games, those those I mean, Girona against uh, Getafe games, uh, rather than having them on television, having those available through streaming, or having access to all the games through streaming. So looking at the different partners. It, 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 the hard thing, Kartik, and I've been thinking about this all week, is that it's very difficult to find one partner that has all of all of the options and, uh, presented to you. So if you look at NBC as a potential, so NBC uh, has, you I mean, strong on, on the English language side with NBCSN, uh, has access to USA and MSNBC and CNBC if, if needed, uh, has over the air NBC, I mean, which is available nationwide, of course. 
uh, has a strong Spanish language partner with Telemundo and also Universo, and then has a streaming platform with NBC Sports Gold as well as well as the NBC Sports dot com app, etc. However, with NBC, La Liga is in direct competition with the Premier League. Many of the matches that uh, NBC would be interested in showing, maybe it's uh, Real Madrid against Barcelona, uh, El Clasico kicking off at, say, uh, uh, noon or 12.15 on a Saturday, or, or uh, it, it could be kicking off in the morning at 10 a.m. They're going to be in direct competition to the Premier League, and actually, if anything, it could uh, devalue or decrease the the, the the TV ratings for the Premier League because now they're showing La Liga and the Premier League. So that might be too much for them to handle. Uh, then you look at Fox. So Fox, of course, we've seen with the Bundesliga and uh, how good a job they, that they do in terms of having all the right tools. So having the big Fox you know, over the air, FS1, FS2, having Fox Soccer Match Pass, having Fox Sports Go, uh, Fox Deportes on, on the Spanish side is, is pretty strong in terms of uh, being available in a lot of homes. However, the commitment level in terms of uh, when they have NASCAR and other types of things, other sports going on, and where soccer gets uh, lost in, in that hierarchy and kind of get knocked, knocked down. And we've seen the Bundesliga, a lot of those games ending, ending up on FS2. Uh, that's a challenge too. So both, both NBC and Fox, I believe, to me, are not the best options. Um, you look at ESPN. So ESPN has um, ESPN1, ESPN2. You could even go over the air, which I would say that that's a strong possibility where in the future, if they have a strong partner, they could take some of those games and put them on ABC, which is uh, owned by Disney. And, and that's an over the air access uh, opportunity there um, on the streaming side. Of course, ESPN Plus is fantastic. But the downfall, kind of the challenge really that they have is that ESPN Deportes isn't available in a lot of homes and doesn't have a strong footprint uh, in the United States. So there's kind of a downfall there for them, or a challenge, really. Uh, <laughs> it's tough, Kartik. But then you've got Univision. So Univision, Univision has the over-the-air access, has Univision to Portis Network, Unamas, Galavision, uh, for a lot of the, the other games, uh, has a strong streaming platform, but then doesn't have an English-language partner. Um, so you look down the list and you look at zone. DAZN's got a really great streaming platform, but they don't have they don't have a relationship or a partnership with a TV side of things. So, what what, what for you, Kartik? What for you would be the best option? Do you believe that uh, La Liga and the Bundesliga should take for that twenty 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 one season? What what should they be looking for um, in a partner? And do you have any recommendations? NBC is very diff- difficult um, because of their commitment to the Premier League and the fact really kind of dovetails with what they're doing uh, in, in other sports space and it, programming schedule-wise and also uh, just complementing their other properties. So that, 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 I, that might be difficult. In terms of Fox um, for La Liga, uh, this is an interesting um, proposition. I think what we, you would end up seeing happen is better online access better digital access to La Liga, uh, less um, matches on television. Uh, La Liga matches, many of them tend to be later in the day in the United States. Uh, they'll conflict with American sporting events, but um, Fox, uh, with, with, with Fox Sports Go and whatever other digital platforms they have, maybe they can they, maybe they can even develop a, uh, a specific uh, 
La Liga package. I, I think they'd love to have El Clasico, and I think that that would be um, if you if you go with Fox, that's going to be on network television in the U.S. Right? That's going to go from yeah. being um, in fifteen million would be in. Uh, to being in hundred million homes with, with, yeah. with Fox, hundred fifteen, yeah, yeah, with Fox over the air, um, and then you comp- you complement that maybe with the Univision deal on the Spanish side, uh, maybe Fox won't take it unless they get Deportes, a Deportes deal on the on the Spanish side. So that's that I think is 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 an element uh, of it. But I, I think La Liga, as much as uh, we can we can quibble about the commentary style, et cetera, of Fox. That would probably be the most logical place if Fox is still interested in European club football. There is also always the possibility of Turner and BR Live. I think the BR Live platform is limited. Um, I do think Turner would probably make a commitment. Maybe it would end up being on True TV rather than on TNT or TBS, but would make a commitment to showing um, a match uh, a week. Uh, or two matches a week on television, which might be more than Fox does. But um, because again, it's the timings. Fox um, shows as many Bundesliga matches as they do on FS2 and FS1 because the Bundesliga runs uh, the the traditional kickoff time for Bundesliga matches in Germany is 3.30 local time. Um, The traditional kickoff time for matches in Spain is later local time. So, uh, you know, you that accounting for the time difference with the U.S. and time zones in the U.S. that complicates things um, with American sporting events, live American sporting events. Um, I think Turner is an option. And um, as far as DAZN is concerned, DAZN would have to make a sub-license deal with some television network. Perhaps that's Fox. Perhaps that's ESPN. Perhaps that's Turner. Um, but DAZN is competing with all of those entities as it is for digital um, particularly with ESPN. And we know the relationships there, right? So, um, but maybe Fox and Turner, the relationship's a little better. But um, I think that that's unlikely, but it feels like the zone's going to have to do something like this, grab a La Liga or grab a Bundesliga uh, to make a splash in the U.S. market. Now, as far as the Bundesliga is concerned, um, I don't know. I, I, the numbers the last few weeks have had me thinking if Fox were willing to commit more to the league in this in this country uh we're seeing look i don't know if people who are bundesliga advocates know really how bad the ratings are every week because you don't list them necessarily always on the world soccer talk site or we don't read them on this uh podcast because they're so low Mm -hmm. um and they're under thirty thousand, or they're under forty thousand. we've seen an uptick uh, and i think having a title race was a big part of it there was a a great race for fourth also which Leverkusen won I'm not sure that played as big a role but I think the title race between Dortmund and, and Bayern kept people interested and we saw these last two weeks uh, despite the early morning kickoff and, and I have to say with NBC and the Premier League we've never really seen um, consistent over-the-air broadcasts at that time of the day they're generally 12:30 Eastern time on Saturdays and when we've had them on Sundays they've been the 1130 uh, a.m. or 11 o'clock uh, a.m. kickoff uh, so I thought those numbers were pretty good actually for yeah. both those iron matches on Big Fox and also considering the number of affiliates in, in big markets including the Fort Lauderdale Miami market down here which which I live in um, that preempted the match for for infomercials right. um, so maybe because it's part of an international broadcast deal, they keep going with Fox. And I can't believe I'm saying this, Chris, because we've been talking about them getting off the whole time. Uh, La Liga will get off BN. That, that's yeah. absolutely certain. Yeah, that, uh, that's but on this Bundesliga thing, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hedging now. Uh, yeah. Let's see 
let's see what Fox does with it early next season. Obviously, the renegotiation must be going on now. Um, maybe their um, their renewed emphasis on the league. It's a coincidence we had a title race. Maybe it's because they're trying to to prove to the uh, the broadcasters trying to prove to the league that that they deserve another bite at the apple with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are not a whole lot of places the Bundesliga can go. Honestly, yeah. uh, they're not going to go to NBC. Their their match their match window is uh, uh, conflict directly with the Premier League. I don't think the league is attractive enough for for Turner. They could go to ESPN, but they just fall in the inventory of ESPN leagues then, um, and they'll be they'll be reduced to largely an online property. Uh, the difference with Serie A is that Serie A, again, has some match windows that are uh, – I mean, I guess the Bundesliga has a few of those. But I still think uh, um, they won't get the 40 matches a year uh, on uh, on uh, linear television that Serie A does So uh, on ESPN. I, I think they might – they might want to try and see if they can work this Fox thing out going forward. Yeah, same here, Kantik, in terms of kind of the Fox thing. The, the more I think about it, um, the more likely it looks like that Fox could be uh, the current, the, the, future, the future broadcaster for the Bundesliga. Not out of, um, I guess, uh, demand, but more so about uh, in terms of, well... So, so the La Liga, the timing is unfortunate for the Bundesliga because with La Liga, the, the TV rights deal being up at the same time as the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga is not going to get as much priority uh, in terms of, of the bidding as La Liga would. So La Liga is definitely the, the league that people are more uh, interested in in terms of the broadcasters, a lot of it because of the Hispanic population in the United States and the bilinguals and the opportunity for this league to grow from where it is now to what it can be. With the Bundesliga... It pretty much is at the level, probably the highest level we can expect it to be. I don't see a game much greater than this. And, and, and as, a, as a result of that, if I'm a TV broadcaster, Fox has done a, a decent job. Definitely not a fantastic job. Not, not, not as good as they should have done. Uh, hasn't been awful. But I think in many, in many ways for the Bundesliga, they might end up saying, OK, well, actually, Fox is probably our best bet to have access to over-the-air television, to have access to games now and again on FS1 and FS2, and has a streaming platform that, um, yeah, it's expensive, but it works and, and, and it's available there. Now, La Liga... Well, actually, for the Bundesliga, so the Bundesliga, the, 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 I mean, this over-the-air side of things, uh, it, could, it could be that, I mean, um, DAZN comes in, puts in a strong offer for the uh, streaming rights, and that uh, for the television side of things, Fox puts in a, a renewal offer and keeps it on the television side. So that, that's a possibility there. But for La Liga, the way I look at this is in terms of all the options available uh, to them. Their best bet would be similar to Major League Soccer is having a partnership with, say, Fox, uh, Univision, and and ESPN coming together, doing a deal uh, with La Liga and saying, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to share these rights. We're going to figure out between us ourselves like who's going to get which games. So that provides La Liga with access to over the air for Univision and, and for Fox from time to time uh, and potentially through ESPN if they decide to go to ABC. On the streaming side of things, it gives them opportunities to uh, have their games available through ESPN Plus and Fox Soccer Match Pass, Fox Sports Go, uh, Univision Deportes um, app too. 
And that would put uh, an opportunity for those broadcasters to work together to figure out, okay, how do we take turns with this? Who gets El Clasico uh, in the first one? Who gets the second one? Let's rotate those through. Uh, it also gives access to the, the Spanish language side, strong, strong uh, impact there across the United States. That, to me, would be an ideal situation where La Liga says, okay, this is the best of the best. Now, whether or not those broadcasters are going to be interested in doing a deal like that, uh, if they're not, maybe a partnership between ESPN and Univision, where Univision says, okay, we want, because of the, the success we've had with the UEFA Champions League uh, in Spanish, uh, we want to have La Liga. So on the Spanish side of things, that's, that's a strong, and also with Univision losing the rights to the World Cup, that's a strong uh, offering there. Now, they don't have the English language partner on that side of things. So maybe ESPN comes and says, OK, let's do a deal together. ESPN will focus on the uh, English language side and have games on, uh, of course, on television and the smaller games, uh, lesser teams on the streaming platform. Lots of different options. I mean, and then at the end of the day, Kartik, there isn't one provider that is a perfect fit, which is the challenge for these leagues. Uh, NBC... With the Premier League, they've been lucky. They've been very fortunate. The NBC has checks off all the boxes of all the things they're looking for that the Premier League would be looking for. Um, and all these other leagues, it's it's there's no one provider that has all those check boxes. They have so that's why we need kind of that partnership. And whether those companies can come, come together, we'll have to wait and see. All right, let's move on to the listener mailbag. So uh, first up is Dark Volta. He says, uh, hard to disagree with you guys on the knockout format. I enjoy, this is talking about Major League Soccer, I enjoy the title races of the different leagues, but they are by no means as engaging as the knockout rounds of the Champions League or the World Cup. For Major League Soccer specifically, uh, playoffs should have should really have far fewer slots, not 60%. So yeah, so definitely in terms of the, uh, the teams uh, qualifying for the playoffs, it should not be 60% of the teams. Uh, Happily Eggs says, uh, I am desperate to see soccer succeed and build in the US. Strange, really, because I'm a Brit living in Britain. I want to, I want to see it succeed because I think successful US soccer would be a platform for football worldwide. It would become a driving force for the evolution of the game. Soccer, to give its, well, he says football, to give its correct name, is already a universally played sport. If football in the US became one of the more subscribed subscribe to sports in the country it would add so much more dynamism to the sports worldwide inevitably you would see a fifa champions league uh, instead of uefa champions league uh, which they're already talking about this would be good for football in all areas of the world hopefully this might lead to the sharing of wealth around to some of the poorer countries growing major league soccer and soccer in general in the u.s should be about turning your your game into my game you, think, you would think that Major League Soccer would be organizing in local areas throughout the country, setting up events and games to attract more new viewers and fans. On a different subject, making games more significant, it may not be necessary to have promotion relegation. It's only necessary to have some sort of uh, penalization period for finishing bottom, maybe a three-point deduction from the start of the next season. I'm sure there are brighter sparks than me that can, can, that can develop uh, penalization systems to simulate relegation so happily eggs thanks for the comments there all the way from the uk um some good points there kartik about yeah. uh, major league soccer and, w- and what it can do 
Yeah, some very, very good points. And I think uh, uh, Happily Eggs, hopefully uh, what he has written, he or she has written, uh, would be music to the ears of MLS executives. But unfortunately, they don't – their number of community initiatives – things that they've done on the grassroots level has contracted. Uh, when you and I had the disagreement a few weeks ago about the Premier League Fan Fest, I, I argued MLS used to do a lot of that stuff uh, in the, the time period where the league was was not really on solid footing financially. And uh, they were looking for any edge to engage uh, potential soccer fans, existing soccer fans, uh, people who love global football, et cetera. Uh, since about 2014, uh, I, I, it actually kind of coincides with uh, New York City FC coming into the league for, for whatever re- reason. Maybe it's a coincidence. And, and Orlando City coming into the league, uh, their tact has changed as far as those things are concerned. Uh, they are very much operating themselves in a, in a vacuum. Uh, this is even true of the way they operate their website. Their website at one point, Chris, as you remember, tried to be a destination for global football content yep. um, and even discussions of the Premier League and the Bundesliga and, and, and uh, uh, the, the leagues that were more popular in the United States. So you'd see La Liga, Bundesliga, Premier League content, Serie A, those four leagues basically, content on the MLS site. Now it's just – it's again a propaganda. It's a corporate league website. Again, that kind of changed around 2014, 2015. So um, yeah, I, I, that, what what's, uh, Happily X has written I, I subscribe to, but uh, I think it's probably going to find uh, no reception from the execs right now. It's interesting because of the uh, Major League Soccer, soccer.com, which is the, the domain name is, is horrible. But, but, but when, the, when that decision was made many, many years ago to kind of really split the content and say, okay, that's rather than focusing on the world's game and, and trying to attract uh, people that are interested in every, everything soccer-wise, let's focus it on 100% on Major League Soccer. And in some ways, what it has done in many ways is that um, it's uh, – for those soccer fans who are maybe not hardcore Major League Soccer fans, uh, it's compartmentalized uh, the two different areas. So you've got the MLS crowd that goes to the MLSsoccer.com and goes to uh, the MLS Reddit and, and stays in those areas where they can discuss their game and, and, and what they think of the league. And then everyone else has gone elsewhere. So in many ways, I think Major League Soccer has lost that audience uh, and although they probably would not admit it, in hindsight, that decision to go ahead and kind of really not focus on the rest of soccer, uh, only focusing on Major League Soccer, has probably lost some of their audience where somebody might be going to Major League Soccer for news about, about U.S. soccer, of course, but also about some news, what's happening in the Bundesliga, what's happening to um, I mean, d- different stories. Um, yeah, I guess from a marketing p- point of view, it, it definitely uh, has had an impact. Ted S. says on Twitter, he says, any chance uh, can La Liga pull out of their U.S. rights contract with being sports early? Now, this is something I wouldn't be surprised if the discussions have been had where La Liga uh, looked at their contract with being sports and said, okay, based on this contract, is there any way that we can pull out of this? Or is there any way that we can go ahead and take some of these games and uh, do a separate uh, deal, kind of do a deal with some other broadcaster and figure out a way to work together to um, to really kind of pull some of these these, these games from being and, and have them shown elsewhere. Uh, whether, that ha- whether or not that happened, I, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did happen. At least those discussions were had. But for being sports, I mean, really at this time, I mean, La Liga is really the hook. If being sports lost La Liga... That would be a huge blow. I mean, you'd have Ligue 1, 
which uh, while it's it's a, it's an okay league, uh, does and the viewership is, is tiny, 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 even for PSG games. And you have Copa Libertadores, you have Copa Sudamericana, you have the Turkish League. But really, uh, if La Liga leaves being sports, that kills being sports as we know it. So uh, to answer Ted's question, I don't think so, because uh, being sports is going to hold on to that contract for as long as they can and um, to, to, keep, to keep alive, to, to find a way to do a deal with uh, DirecTV and Comcast and try f- find a way to, to grow and survive. Rico Richardson uh, says, I don't think it's fair to compare the international media markets to the American markets. A certain success from outside the U.S. doesn't always mean that it's even relevant here in the U.S. Traditionally, small markets aren't always uh, attractive. Soccer isn't there yet, or at least Major League Soccer. To win the American audience for soccer, soccer has to adapt to it. He says, riddle me this. Is the mission for for soccer in the U.S. to cater to the traditional soccer fan? or grow new soccer fans? And my answer to that question would be, it's, it's both. It's, you need to appeal to um, the current soccer fans, the traditional soccer fans, and you need to grow that audience. And, and I would say that NBC Sports has that formula correct in terms of the way they present soccer. Is they don't talk down to the audience. Um, they don't try to change kind of, you mean the, the terminology. They don't try and change the way that soccer is presented, they're presenting it in a very traditional way. And at the same time, and they've shown this in terms of the ratings and the increase in number of people interested in the Premier League, they have grown that fan base. As opposed to other leagues, I mean, well, other broadcasters, Fox is a perfect example where um, many, many different attempts to, d- to dumb down the coverage. And, I mean, you... U.S. women's national team winning the Women's World Cup, they'll stand by those numbers and say, okay, look, it's working for us. That was based on the U.S. women's national team, the team itself, not on the coverage, uh, and the team doing so well. That's why those ratings were so high. It was not because of the coverage. So um, some good points there from Rico. Uh, Brian Hoblin says, uh, I just got to listening to last week's pod. I loved it. I loved what, loved what you guys said about the ridiculousness of MLS playoffs. The true champion will always be the Supporters' Shield winner in my eyes. Uh, and Brian, I agree with you, but um, if you ask most Major League Soccer fans to go back, say, for the last five years and to tell us who was the Supporters' Shield winner, uh, I think most of them would be hard-pressed to, to remember who, who it was. Uh, even our Miami Fusion Back in the day, back in the early 2000s, uh, won the Supporters' Shields. But uh, look at them now. Last yeah, I, I, th- I think okay, uh, an issue with that is that there's an unbalanced schedule. So yeah. um, I I tend to look at the Supporters' Shield winner. I agree with Brian, but um, I do put that, that uh, caveat on it. It's not quite as clean as it is in some other leagues because the schedule is unbalanced. Now, until uh, for a few years, the schedule was perfectly balanced when there were 18 teams in the league before um, – before Orlando or New York City FC came into the league. So I think for three successive seasons from 2012 to 2014, the schedule was balanced. And if you look at those three seasons, the Supporters' Shield winner was the legitimate winner of the league, in my opinion. All right. Last but not least, and Kartik, I'm going to give you this one to you to, uh, to uh, answer this one. It's from Raymond Orozco, and he says, I was talking to a, a MLS fan just recently. He told me that he believes Major League Soccer isn't that far off from the top European competition. He told me that a top MLS team would be competing in the Dutch League for a title. And look at Ajax. They were seconds away from being in the Champions League final. 
does the media really play that big of a role in that type of delusional ideology? Uh, yes, the media has played a big role in that. I think they're not quite as bad as they used to be with that. Um, in fact, I, th- I think, um, if anything, following the U.S. not qualifying for the for the 2017 World or 2018 World Cup in October 2017, they they flipped almost entirely to being much more critical of the level of play in MLS, seeing the correlation with the U, with the U.S. men's national team and the lack of young players coming through the system, uh, lack of young players getting minutes in MLS, uh, seeing more metrics about that, although that's improved in 2019. Um the question about where MLS would fit, I don't know. I mean, Chris, even 10 years ago when I used to when we used to have our site, uh, Major League Soccer Talk, and I would write an article about something, you'd, you'd have people leaving comments that uh, MLS teams, uh, that, the, that the top team, that the bottom teams in Serie A would be the worst teams in MLS, which I, which at the time was absolutely absurd. And uh, you'd see things like uh, Frasanone and, 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 and Parma, they, they would be horrible in MLS because it's more competitive, blah, blah, blah. All nonsense. Now, in terms of comparing MLS to leagues in Europe, it's very difficult because it's apples to oranges. In MLS's defense, or in the defense of MLS's players, um, clubs in Europe don't have to travel 2,500 uh, miles in economy class, and that's the fault of, of the league and, and, and the league and the players union yep. for negotiating a deal where they have limited charter flights. Uh, they don't have to play in the hottest months of the year when it's 100 degrees out, affecting the quality of play, affecting. Um, whether you train as vigorously as you would, affecting even whether you train at all. So I think there are a lot of factors that that limit our ability to compare the leagues or compare the level of players. Let's say that. The the leagues are what they are, right? MLS has chosen to play on this calendar. They've chosen to limit charter flights. They've chosen um, to schedule midweek matches where teams are traveling 3,000 miles. The team's going from Los Angeles to Boston or Orlando to Vancouver, whatever. So um, that all affects the quality of play and um uh, uh, unless they solve some of those issues they're never going to be comparable in terms of the optics to a european league ever period i I don't care who they have playing here i think there are a lot of mitigating factors that mls proponents just don't understand and they don't get yeah, to me, it's it's a silly conversation to even have in the first place. I mean, we had Alexi Lalas a few years ago, maybe more, maybe five years ago, talking about how he thought that uh, Major League Soccer teams would finish about middle, mid-table in the Premier League. Um, those types of conversations. To, to me, it's silly, but just because um, rather than focusing on other leagues, it's more important to me to focus on the league in front of you. And, in, in, and in fairness, the... In fairness to Lawless, the team he picked at the time, the Houston Dynamo, had a pretty good team. Um, so I still think it was a reach. But he then, when um, he was on the Stephen Cohen and Nick Gieber show, and once they pressed him, uh, he and he mentioned the team he was thinking of that could finish mid table in the Premier League. It was like, oh, so he's not saying San Jose would finish mid table, you know? Right? <laughs> he's saying Houston, who at the time uh, were a dominant team in the league. So, uh, but yeah, continue. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things that uh, that debate can go on and on for for hours. You could have, we could have this debate where you mean where does Major League Soccer teams rank? Well. You, you just have to look in the region. You look at, at the uh, CONCACAF Champions League, and we see, we see where they're ranked. I mean, yes, there's other factors in terms of uh, the schedule, the calendar, and you mean um, the games I mean, early in the MLS season or before the MLS season begins, those types of uh, mitigating factors. But, but to me, it's just a silly conversation to have anyway, just because uh, it's almost like when people have that conversation, it's either to make MLS look bad or to make MLS look good. And um, 
Right. Just yeah, a, yeah. a way to justify, like like this person that said to Raymond in terms of the Ajax and the Dutch league, and MLS is right there at that level. Well, that person is trying to boost up the level, the perception of, of the level of MLS. Well, 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 that particular thing, there is no way there is an MLS team anywhere close to Ajax. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, that particular. So we get the example of Scotland a lot, and this is where nuance is important. And the people who make the argument on one side want to just say MLS is the worst thing. It's like the conference in England, which is absurd. And the people who are on the other side want to say it's like the Premier League, which is also absurd. Um, so we have to have a lot of nuance with this. It, it, MLS is spending the level of player, uh, taking out all the factors I talked about of travel and, 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 and charter, non-charter flights, etc., um, and playing in the hottest months. Are their pay, uh, is, are, are they comparable to a, a, a majority of the teams in Scotland and in, in the Netherlands? Yes. However, uh, those leagues are like typical European leagues. An MLS team is nowhere near Celtics level of spending or Celtics level of quality in their in their squad. Okay, now could they compete with uh, just about every other team in Scotland? Potentially, the top MLS teams could. Um, although MLS teams don't defend at all, so that's an issue. I mean, maybe they'd be a lot of five four games. Same thing in the Netherlands. Could they compete with? Um, the bulk of the league, yeah, the top MLS teams probably could. Could they compete with Ajax or PSV uh, the way those two uh, sides fared this year? No way. No no, no way at all. So um, when we take leagues as a monolith, and that's an American thing, right? Also to say, oh, well, um, because there's an enforced parity in American sporting culture and in American sporting leagues, non-college. You know, college is much more like uh, European football, but in the American professional leagues. So we take this, we make these universal declarations. Yeah, I think that um, all things being equal, if they weren't apples to oranges, but they were apples to apples, formats were similar. Yeah, most MLS teams or most top MLS teams could compete in Scotland and Netherlands with the bulk of the league. Could they compete with Ajax? No way. Could they compete with Celtic? No way. Yeah, and also you look, you look at the calendar too in terms of that marathon of a season, how long it is, and, and there, there's so many factors. So, which is why I, I usually don't get into those conversations or discussions because it's it's a it's a no win situation. You, you could talk on for hours, and there's so many different variables involved. Um, it is really, like you said, Kartik, it is an apples to oranges comparison, and uh, it's a comparison that usually I I, I step step away from because it just. Uh, you know, unless there's a world league, which could happen in the future, where there's a world league where you take the, some of the top teams from the different leagues from around the world and have an international tournament, not 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 a cup tournament in the summer, but an actual almost like a Champions League, a World Champions League, kind of going back to what Happily Egg said before too, kind of a FIFA Champions League, then you could say, okay, all okay, right, now stepping up and and over a course of a few years. Here's how the teams from the different countries really uh, kind of uh, what their level is at. I mean, are they a level of, of an Ajax? No. Are they a level of some other team from Scotland? Yes. But so on and so forth. But, but interesting conversation, interesting uh, 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 comment there that, from, that uh, Raymond got. And uh, for listeners, too, if you hear some wild and crazy thoughts or have any questions for us, uh, you want to learn more about streaming or what, what's the best platforms to uh, watch soccer on, you let us know. We'd love to read those out on air. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. 
So Kartik, uh, thank you for for sticking with us. I, I know you're uh, got a bit of a cold, so I appreciate uh, you giving it a hundred percent. But for listeners who want to follow you on on Twitter and, and find out uh, the latest thoughts, rants and raves, and all those things during the week until the next podcast, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at KKFLA737. All right. You can find me at World Soccer Talk. Thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. And Kartik, heading into another weekend of soccer. We've got the, uh, I think, the last weekend of Serie A. We've got uh, Copa del Rey final. We've got uh, DFL Pokal. We've got um, some Major League Soccer games too, as well as uh, games from around the world. Playoffs, of course, don't forget Monday's uh, uh, championship playoff. What should they do? Enjoy your football. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 